Good morning. If you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and be getting those out. Turn them over to Numbers chapter 1. Numbers chapter 1. I don't know if you can see or, or picture up or if you can make much out of it or not, um, but this is a picture that I took last year, uh, and I think it was in November, November tw- 2019. We had the opportunity to go down to Pigeon Forge and attend Hearts on Fire Conference, something we kind of done a few times through the years, a great opportunity uh, filled with lots and lots of people coming down just to worship the Lord. And um, it was there at the LeConte Center, I think is the way you pronounce it. But anyway, as you can see here, I don't know if this was a Friday night or Saturday, but anyway, there are lots of people in this building. I mean, there there's several thousand, I think somewhere, give or take, roughly around 10,000. That's kind of what somebody said there was there. There was a lot of people there. And uh, I kind of try to sneak a picture real quick, but just to kind of give you an overview, you can see there is numerous amount of people. And so as I thought about our text today, I thought about that and our time there together. Uh, again, this is a little bit before uh, pandemic time, so you can kind of gather in crowds, huge crowds there. And so uh, we're praying for maybe hearts on fire again or something similar to that one of these days soon. So anyway, but we were gathered there and lots of people worshiping the name of the Lord. And I thought about that with our text today. I think this is going on our eighth year serving here as uh, as youth ministers uh, here at Greensburg Baptist. And I thought about that over the last few years, just the, the trips, uh, the conferences, the mission trips, the activities, concerts, and things that we've attended. We've taken, uh, I think with this group, there was somewhere around 20-some people. Um, and so we had a good group of people, but it was in a large setting. And I don't know about you, if you ever tried to lead a group in a large group, it's a little bit nerve-wracking at times. Um, not saying anything about our youth. They're awesome people, and they, they uh, listen well and take direction well. Uh, but I find myself numerous times doing a little bit of a head count, and that's kind of what our title of our message is today. But I like to know if I've got them all there because it's a big problem if you're in this building and you don't get the right count, okay? And so I try to have a head count ever so often just to make sure. And so praise the Lord. We made it back from that trip, and every trip so far, I think we've always came back with the same amount of people that we went left with. And uh, so I praise God thus far. Anyway, I'll put it that way. And so I praise God for that. We've had a blessed time and been able to serve there. But I like to do head counts. So I, I'm sure you guys have done that, so you're familiar with that. And our text today, we're going to see that. God does a head count. Moses helps him here, but God does a head count of his people to get a few things straightened out kind of to help us to see and help Moses see and the people here of Israel to see the main point is they are important to him. These people are important to God. You are important to God. And with that, as we look at our importance, then it helps us to understand that we have purpose. We're not only important, but it helps us to remember, okay, now I'm important to God. I'm important to his kingdom. I'm important to this group. So that gives me purpose. So how do I live that out? So I hope and pray this morning as we go through this text, you see some of that, to know that you are important to God and you're important to his kingdom and you're important to the people he's placed around you. So turn with me again over here to Numbers chapter 1. If you know much about the Old Testament, if you study much, I don't know, Numbers may or may not be one of your favorite books, but it's kind of interesting. And so just to give you a little bit of a quick uh, rundown of kind of where we're at and where we're picking up here, 
starts off, again, this is the fourth book of the Bible, right? Fourth book out of those uh, five, the first five called the Pentateuch, uh, written by Moses. And so here we see, again, we're, we're seeing God speaking to Moses, but Moses here, he's, he's relaying a message. And so he writes those first five books, and we're going to pick up in the fourth one. Genesis, you kind of know that one. That starts off with God's creation, uh, where he spoke things into existence. It's sometimes called the beginning. So we know Genesis is that. It's got some uh, really important stuff in it. Again, back going from where we began, very first thing, talks about creation. And then it talks about the fall of man. It talks about where Adam and Eve and that first sin and that separation from God. The God where he uh, takes them out of the garden because of their disobedience. So we see that. We also see the flood where Noah there, and you see that account. Uh, also an important part we see is the promise. And that's kind of where we're getting into here with numbers. But the promise that God gives Abraham, that he's going to make a mighty great nation. So much that it'd be like the sand of the sea. You can't even number them. And so we see that promise, and it's carried on through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then on down through Joseph. There we finish up in Genesis, kind of that life of Joseph. And so then you move on in to Exodus. And you think about that, that's kind of coming out. God brings the Israelites out of bondage, because when we leave Genesis, they're doing pretty good. When we pick up in Exodus, they're not doing so well. Pharaoh's kind of a uh, not-so-good leader, I'll put it that way. And so he's got the Israelites, and they're slaves, uh, there they're in, in a lifestyle of bondage. And so God says he's going to pull his people out of there. He's going to bring them out of bondage. And he uses a guy by the name of Moses, right? And that's where we first get Moses comes on the scene. He's born there. We see his birth. And then we see his calling. And uh, he kind of runs from it a little bit for a while. But then, he, again, he accepts that. And uh, he's the one. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Uh, Charleston Heston says, let my people go at best Charleston Heston I can do. But anyway, important role, right? Moses here has the call to bring God's people and lead them out of bondage into the promised land. And again, kind of thinking here towards numbers. That's where we're headed. And so we get that. Moses leads them out. Then you come to the book of Leviticus. All right, so God brings them out. He does exactly what he says there in Exodus. He brings them out. Then he prepares them for this new life. They're used to bondage. They're used to slavery. They're used to the false worship of false gods and all these things. So they've got to learn some new things. And they've been in that for a while. So God's teaching them through Moses. And, again, he gives them kind of how to deal with sin in the, the book of Leviticus. Uh, it's about uh, helping them to understand the law, uh, helping them to understand about sacrifices and getting back into that right relationship with God. And uh, so, again, that's kind of the whole background, really, of the Bible, if you think about it, where we've messed up. And that sacrifice of getting us back to a new and right relationship with God, that's where Leviticus is. And then that brings us into the book of Numbers. And so here sometimes, it's, again, it's called the book of wanderings. If you've studied much, that's what they do. For about a 40-year period, they're wandering around. And if you study kind of geographically, I think that trip was supposed to be somewhere around about 150 miles, give or take, uh, kind of in that range. Probably should have taken them 10 to 15 days to have made it, realistically. But because of their disobedience and their lack of trust in God, it takes them 40 years. It's a long time. could have been a lot easier if they had just followed and trusted the Lord. That's where we pick up here. God is preparing them, going to send them out and bring them to that, that promised land. Again, but their lack of obedience hinders them. And so here we pick up 
God is preparing them at Mount Sinai. They've been here about a year roughly, just a little bit over, and God's preparing them to move out of that area to move towards the promised land. Uh, and that's where we pick up at the base here. And so Numbers chapter 1. Let's see if I can get it to change over. All right. Numbers chapter 1. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt saying, all right, so again, kind of that background, you understand now where this text is coming from, and God's going to tell them something. He's going to give them some instruction. He don't just send them out. He don't just send us out and say, hey, hope everything goes well for you. Work it out. God talks to them. He gives them instruction, and he does for us. He says, take a census. That's kind of an important part here. Of all the congregation of the people of Israel, by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male, head by head. Verse 3, from 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who were able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them, company by company, and there shall be with you a man from each tribe, each man being the head of the house of his fathers. And these are the names of the men who shall assist you. And so I'm going to stop there. I was, Brother Corey, he's, he's got his doctorate now. He's really smart. I was going to have him to read all these next names and pronounce all those for me. But for the lack of time, brother, I'm going to let you off this morning, okay? <laughs> those are hard names. And so I'm not going to mess those up this morning. You can read down through there and see. And what it is, those, those are the men uh, representing each of those 12 tribes of Israel. And so God gives us those names. But I want us to come back to verse 1. And I want us to see some important things. I'd read over this and studied this, but I'd missed it beforehand. And so when I went back and looked, the Lord spoke to Moses. I don't know about you, but that got me and held on to me for a while. The one true God, the immortal God, the God creator speaks to mortal man. That blew my mind. I don't know why I'd read over it and just kind of glimpsed at it real quick. But the, the God of creation comes down and speaks to mortal man. If you think back about that, we had that kind of little history lesson there real quick, but the same God who spoke creation into existence is now speaking to Moses. The same God who walked with Adam and Eve there in the garden, you remember that? They had that fellowship with him. That same God is now the one that is speaking to Moses. That same God who met with Noah and told him to build an ark and said, man, he's going he's gonna to do a great thing through him. That's the same God who is now speaking to Moses. The same God who had talked to Abraham and given him that promise and told him that he was going to make a great nation out of him. That's the same God who is now speaking to Moses. The same God who walked with King David, gave him instruction. I was there with him in the battlefield with King, uh, with King David there with Goliath and the bear and the lion and all the great things that we read about. The same God who directed King David. The same God who directed his son, King Solomon. You remember King Solomon? He, uh, God spoke to him and said, what, what do you want to ask for? And King Solomon said, I want wisdom and discernment on how to govern or rule your people. He could have asked for a lot of great things, but he asked for wisdom and discernment. And it said it pleased the Lord. The next verse said it pleased the Lord that he asked this. That same God who spoke to Solomon spoke to Moses. 
Uh, that same God, Elijah, I don't know if you ever read that story about Elijah where he comes up and all the false prophets of Baal and the false gods there and they call down their gods and he's sitting over at the side like, where's your God? Is he asleep or is he on vacation? Maybe you need to yell louder and all these great things and they have a duel there. And the one true God comes down and consumes Elijah's sacrifice there, his offering. That's the same God who is speaking here to Moses. The same God um, who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You all remember that? And there in a little town called Bethlehem, God became flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That same God who came down in the most humble way to live among his people is the same God who is now speaking to Moses. The same God who lived a perfect sinless life that we couldn't do is the same God speaking to Moses. The same God who hung on a cross for your sins and my sins is the same God who is speaking to Moses, the one who ascended back to heaven and is now there waiting for the time that he will come back and get his people is the same God is speaking to Moses. And the same God who indwells and sent his Holy Spirit now to indwell believers. Think about that. All those things, man, who God is. We can't fathom who God is, but if you'll think back in Hebrews chapter 13, I think it's in verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the same God who has always been in control. That same God empowers and indwells believers today. It overwhelmed me that he would come and speak to Moses. And it still overwhelms me that he will come and speak to me every time I open his word, every time I come to him in prayer. Every day, this same God who does all of this is the same God who dwells in us. I don't know about you, but that gives me a heart of praise to think about that he is not a distant God. You can read through the Bible and you can see and understand that God has is, is always been present with his people for all time. He has never left them, never forsaken them, and he promised the same for us. He is a personal God. And so I hope and pray that you have that personal relationship where you can be like Moses and you can talk to the one true God, that you can have that personal time with him. God is not only interested in our lives, but he wants to be involved in our lives. And so I think a lot of times we just don't come to him. We don't spend that time with him. We don't spend our time in our word, understanding and knowing more about who he is and his will and his plan and desire for us. But Moses did. Moses took time and he spent time with the Lord and the Lord spoke to him. I hope and pray that you do that. And again, Acts chapter 17, Paul, he's one of my favorite people. If you got your Bibles, I'm sorry I didn't put it up here. Uh, it hit me later on. I didn't have time. But Paul here, he wants the people here at Athens, when he comes into Athens in chapter 17, he notices that they got a lot of gods, the little G gods that they're worshiping. We talked about this with our youth here a while back. And so they've got all these little idols and different things. And he comes to them in verse 23. For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Verse 25. Nor is he served by human hands. As though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. 
Verse 26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Listen to this. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Isn't that wonderful? We serve a God that wants to be part of our lives. I wonder today, are you allowing him to be who he wants to be in your life? Are you spending that time with him? So there, we could go on much more about that in the Holy Spirit's role, but for the sake of time today, we're going to leave it there. And I hope and pray that you're having that personal time with him. And so then we see that the Lord speaks to Moses. Moses here is a mediator. And I don't know about that, kind of thinking back in the courtroom, maybe kind of give you an idea of that mediator role. Uh, an attorney uh, stands in place and represents you. And so that's what here, again, Moses is doing for the people of Israel. He is standing before God, representing them. God speaks to him to deliver that to the people. And so Moses here is a mediator. And if you think kind of pushing forward, looking at Jesus Christ to come uh, later on, that's what he does. He stands as our mediator. He stands before God and intercedes for us on our behalf. And uh, so if you think about that, kind of that gap, he fills the gap which sin separated. Now Jesus stands in our place and mediates for us. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2 talks about that just a little bit and recognizes, says, God our Savior, verse 4, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Again, Moses here, he stands to lead his people into the promised land. That's a call he's been given, and God is using him to do that. But later on, again, this is just kind of a pre-runner and pointing towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus comes as our mediator, who doesn't come to bring us to a temporary home. He comes to mediate for us and bring us to an eternal home. Jesus one day will lead us to that eternal home. Are you ready for that? You will spend eternity somewhere. And Jesus now is standing, he says there, to intercede on our behalf. To, he has done all that needs to be done to bring you to Jesus, to bring you back to the Lord, to enter into that promised land. So Moses here, he stands and he leads his people. And then we move on just a little bit. Like I said there, Jesus in, in verse 2. We're not getting very far away. Verse 2. So, Moses here, God gives Moses instruction, and he says to him, Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by cleanse. Again, God here, he, he is involved in these people. He's involved in their lives, and he don't want them just to be wandering around. He gives them instruction. He gives Moses instruction. He wanted them to know that they had a role to play. God is at work, and he is going to accomplish his purposes, but he allows people to be part of that. Isn't that wonderful? God allows you, the creator God, the God that is over all things. He allows us to be part of his mighty work that he is wanting to accomplish. And he's wanting them to know that they've got a role to play. And I kind of took uh, heart on a lot of this because in this particular story, in this particular account, we see that he calls on every male that is 20 years old and above. Now, we don't see a cutoff here, but we see kind of a lower uh, cutoff range where he starts with. Those younger ones, they weren't to that age yet, and God wanted to save those. And so he uses those that are mature to go, and he actually is preparing them for battle. He says, every male 
head by head. And that struck me because I believe today that God has given us as men, as the males, a great responsibility to lead our families, to be the spiritual leader. These guys, again, he calls uh, for one from every tribe to do the count, but he calls all those men to be ready to go to war. And I don't know about you, but we're in spiritual warfare each and every day. The family is under a spiritual warfare, and so, men, we must be ready to fight. God has called us to be the leaders of our families. He has called us to be men searching after him and following him, to be the leaders in our churches, to be the leaders in our community, and to be the leaders in our world. We have a great responsibility as men. Um, had a little uh, wake-up call the other day from that. Caleb, I love to wrestle around with the boys, and I had Caleb, and I was kind of wrestling around with him, and I, he, he's got a little tickle spot. I, don't tell him I told you all this, but he's got a little tickle spot kind of right here under his chin, and so if you get him there, it just tears him up. But I was kind of in that spot the other day, and I'd got my chin in there, and I was getting after him, and you know how a dog would come up and kind of sniff you and go, and so I was doing that to him. I was kind of going, and you know what he said? He said, Daddy, don't be a doggy, be a daddy. And it was a great wake-up call. A lot of times as men, we try to be all these other things besides who God has called us to be. And it's time for our men to step up and be the spiritual leaders of our homes, of our families, of our, our churches and our communities, and to lead our people towards God and his purposes. And so it's a great call for us. And so I'm thankful for Caleb just calling me out, not to be a doggy, but to be a daddy. And so, men, I call you this morning to be the spiritual leaders. Trying to figure out this new system, sorry. We're going to skip a few of those verses again. Uh, those, if you read through those, um, you can see all those names and how God has called those specific men to a specific role. And for the sake of time and sake of messing up their names, I'm going to skip over those. But verse 17, um, let's see 16. We'll pick up 16. These were the ones chosen from the congregation, the chiefs of their ancestral tribes, the heads of the clans of Israel. Verse 17, Moses and Aaron took these men who had been named, and on the first day of the second month they assembled the whole congregation together who registered them by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, head by head, as the Lord commanded Moses. So he listed them, in the wilderness of Sinai. And I, as I read through that, I thought, man, what a huge task these guys had. They had to number all the people. And you're going to see that here in a second, how big of a task it was. It wasn't like they could send out a one call or a text or an email and say, hey, y'all come to this certain place, certain time, we're going to meet up and count you. It was a little different back then. They didn't have all the technology that we had these days. It was a huge task. But God had instructed Moses and Aaron to get some help. And God had raised up some men to accomplish that task. And that's what we're praying for here at Greensburg Baptist, that God will raise up more workers. I don't know if you studied looking over on into the New Testament, but Jesus, as he was walking with his disciples, he reminded them, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We got a few people that said it. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he instructs them. He says to pray the Lord will send more laborers into the harvest. We're praying here at Greensburg Baptist that God will send more workers, more laborers, to share the gospel, 
to reach the nations, to reach the world, the good news of Jesus Christ. God here instructs Moses and Aaron, and they get 12 people to help them. It was a huge task. They couldn't do it on their own. They needed help. And God answered that, that call. And so I want to ask you today, where is God calling you to serve? God has a role for each and every one of you here. If God has called you to this church, where is he calling you to serve? I think a lot of times we come to church with the point, and I, I confess, a lot of times I want to come in and say, what can a church do for me? But God has called us, what can we do for the church? How can we help grow and build up the body of believers? Discipleship, discipleship. How can we help others to grow? And so God is calling you. There's areas, I don't know if you looked at your bulletin, there's areas now that you can serve just to help people grow in their walk with the Lord. It's a huge task, more than any one person can do. But God is raising up people. So I want to ask you this morning, where is God calling you to serve? God has an important role for you. You are gifted and talented in ways that nobody else in this place is. And God is wanting to use those to glorify his name and to build his kingdom. And that's what he did here. He called these men specifically. God told told Moses to take inventory of the men for battle. They were specifically gifted in these areas. But what if he'd done that today? What would he come up with? If we took a census today, would you or will you answer the call to ministry and to God and what he's calling you to do? Praying the Lord will send more laborers into the harvest. It's ready. We just need people to go and get it. Move on there just a little bit further. Verse 20 through 40, um, 43 roughly. I won't read down through there. It's kind of a repeat, but God gives us those numbers. After he calls them to go out and take the census, now we see what the census comes up with. And he says there in verse 20, The people of Reuben, Israel's uh, firstborn, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names, head by head, every male from 20 years old and upward, all who are able to go to war. And then he begins to list each and every tribe and their numbers, what they come up with. If you look, they're kind of rounded. Uh, they rounded them by, they counted by tens, by fifties, by hundreds. So that's kind of where we see that numbering and that rounding. Uh, those listed for Reuben, 46,500. Simeon, 59,300. Gad, 45,650. Judah, 74,600. Iskar, 54,400. Zebulun, 57,400. Ephraim, 40,500, Manasseh, 32,200, Benjamin, 35,400, Dan, 62,700, Asher, 41,500, and Naphtali, 53,400. All right, so to say all that, it's a lot of people, right? If you come up with that, we're going to get to the final number here in just a second, but it's a lot of people. Uh, These were just to go out for war. They had a specific call, a specific purpose, and God numbers them, each and every person. He don't list every name in here, but he knew every one of them. He knew every one of them's abilities, and he knew how he was going to use them in that war and those battles. But it's interesting, the book of Numbers is kind of named also, I said it was by wanderings, or kind of called by wanderings, but it's also for the census. We have a census here in chapter 1, and if you look sometime and study in chapter 26, there's a second census. And so God calls back to Moses to take another census because by this time that, that first generation has died out. Again, we talked about that 40-year span. They were disobedient. There's a lot of things that happened in between this time, and they die out. 
And so this new generation comes. And so God says to go back and take a new census. We won't read back through all these numbers, but I want you to see some of these differences. Some of these tribes increased. Some of them decreased. I don't know if you can see the red over or not. Some of them increased. Some of them decreased. A new generation come. Again, it starts back again at that new generation, those that were under 20. Now they're over 20. So God calls that number. He does a new count, a new census. Some of them increased. Some of them decreased. But look what happens overall. Verse 44. These are those who were listed, whom Moses and Aaron listed with the help of the chiefs of Israel, 12 men, each representing his father's house. So all those listed of the people of Israel by their father's houses, from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war in Israel, all those listed were 603,550 people. That's a lot of people. It's a lot more that was in Gatlinburg. I know that. I would have hated to have lost a kiddo in that group. If you take all those and add those together, those are just the men in that specific age frame. Take the women, take the children, take those that weren't able to go to war. You're looking at two million plus at least. It's a lot of people. I think God wants us to see they had enough to accomplish what he called them to do. But there was a problem. The big problem was he was calling them to go into these places to take the land which he was going to give them. But that land was not vacant. It was inhabited by other people, other people who were worshiping other gods. And so God had called them to war, to go in and take over those lands. It was going to be a big task, but God had given them enough people to do it. But again, look here in chapter 26 what happens. Chapter 26, verse 51. Again, those totals are added up, and the second census comes to a number of 601,730. Roughly about 1,800, a little more difference. Over 40 years, they had not really grown. They had decreased, actually, in number. Israel had pretty much been stagnant in their, no, in their numbers and in their growth. God had given them the, the call and Abraham the promise to go forth and multiply and they hadn't done that. For 40 years, they had actually lost people. They had lost numbers. There was no growth. And if you think about that from a spiritual side, but uh, there was two, I think it might, there was two out of those group, out of that 603,550 men, there was two out of those that actually got to enter into the promised land, right? Joshua and Caleb. If you think about that from a spiritual growth, they didn't grow spiritually either. Over a 40-year span, they stayed the same. They were stagnant. Their walk with the Lord did not increase. Their trust in the Lord did not increase. Their spiritual growth had not grown any. Their physical had. Eh, it kind of maintained they're about the same. But the nation as a whole had not grown in 40 years. They had grew old, but they had not grown spiritually. What about you? Are we growing old today or are we growing spiritually? I know I, you talk to somebody and think, man, just five years or ten years or twenty years, how fast that goes by. I look at our kids. You look at your kids, your grandkids, and think, man, they're growing up so quick. These guys had had 40 years to go by and no spiritual growth. And their disobedience caused them to die in the wilderness. There was no spiritual growth. Are you growing old or are you growing spiritually, individually? 
What about your family? Again, men, we are called to lead our families well. Are we helping them to grow spiritually? What about our church, Greensburg Baptist? If we were taking inventory, are we growing spiritually as a group? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a command. We are to be growing in the Lord. These guys, they failed to do that. And again, those numbers, there's a lot of numbers and a lot of stuff that goes with it. But again, it just kind of helps us to understand and see they were not growing as God had called them to do. One more set of passage here, and then we'll close. The Levites, it's a different group that was part of those 12 that were not counted in that census. Verse 47, but the Levites were not listed along with, their, with them by their ancestral tribe. For the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, only the tribe of Levi you shall not list. And you shall not take a census of them among the people of Israel, but appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony and over all its furnishings and over all that belongs to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all of its furnishings that they shall take care of it and shall camp around the tabernacle. Verse 51, when the tabernacle is to set out, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. The people of Israel shall pitch their tents by their companies, each man in his own camp and each man by his own standard. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony so that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the people of Israel. And the Levites shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus did the people of Israel. They did according to all the Lord commanded Moses. And so as you look at that, Quickly, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in there, but the Levites did not go to war. God had given them a specific role to take care of the temple, to take or take care of the tabernacle. They were to move it, they were to set it up, they were to tear it down, set it back up. Whenever God let them to move, they were to take care of that. So they had a specific role. They was busy doing what God had called them to do. Number one, that's why they couldn't be a part of the battle. Number two, that war would have caused death, right? And so these guys were again supposed to be taking care of the sacrifices in the tabernacle. So that would have made them unceremonially unclean. And so they had a specific task that God had called them to do. What's all that amount to? Look at Second or First Corinthians chapter 12. Paul gives us a New Testament account of what this is to look like, just those differences, those spiritual gifts. I think Brother Todd was reading some earlier, uh, kind of out of this same area. But he said there in verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many and he talks about those, the different roles of your body parts. He just makes it really easy for us to understand. He talks about the eyes and the feet and head and different things that we're familiar with. And he says in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. Paul helps us to recognize and see what these guys here in Numbers chapter 1 were to understand. They were individually called, but they were to be a part of something bigger to help build and grow God's kingdom. Paul helps us to see that. There is nobody else here like you. You are important to God. 
God has given you things and gifts and talents that he's not given to anybody else. And so God has placed you where you are, just like the, the Levites and just like all these men, that he has placed them in a specific area at a specific time for a specific role. Just like your body parts. I'm glad I don't, I'm glad I got two hands. I don't know what I'd do without one or no legs or whatever. You know, God has given us all these parts to work together to accomplish what we need to, just as he has the New Testament church. That's what Paul's pointing here to. So I want us to get three quick things here, some application as we close. Point number one, you are important to God. Society does not teach that anymore. Devalue life, and there's lots of different ways that they're doing that. But you are important to God. People and individuals are important to God. God cares about people. He does here. He takes a census. He knew each and every one of these. He wanted Moses to see each and every person, to know that they were important, to know that they had a role to play. God cares about people, and you are important to him. How much, how, what is your value? Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's how much God thinks of you. He was willing to give his very own son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect sinless life, to, to take your sin and your shame, and your guilt and bear it on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. That is good news. That is how much God loves you and cares for you. That's how he thinks, how much importance he puts on your life, that he was willing to give all. You are important. Second application, you have a purpose. So get involved, right? We're important. God's called us to something, so we need to do it. Get involved. When you recognize that you're important, to him, you begin to recognize that your life has purpose, that God has a call on your life, and he has placed you in specific spots to do that. You are uniquely gifted, talented, and placed to serve the Lord. Are you doing that? The church needs you, and you need the church. God has called us together. We need each other and encourage one another and to build each other up, and most importantly, to build his kingdom to help grow his kingdom so others can enjoy that life for eternity. And the third one, we fight from victory. We don't fight for victory. The Israelites here, God had promised them a promised land, and they were to go and take it. It was there before them. They had to fight for it, though. But listen, we fight from the cross, right? We fight because of what Jesus Christ has already accomplished. That gives us purpose, that gives us importance, and that gives us a goal to accomplish. I hope and pray that you recognize that, that you're able to fight from this side of the cross. If not, God offers that for you today, that you can have that eternity to know where Jesus Christ has placed you, where he's called you, and where he one day will take you to be with him for eternity, and that you can now fight from this side of the cross. If not, we'd love to pray with you and share with you about what that looks like how to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you understand that. You already, you're fighting from that side of the cross, but you just, God maybe has called you to different places, new things, new areas, to use those gifts and talents. Where is he calling you? Maybe it's here at this church. Maybe it's membership. Maybe that's something you need to talk about. We want to do that with you. Whatever it is, we want you to be obedient to God. These people died in the wilderness because of their lack of obedience. 
Are you being obedient today to follow where he's called you to go? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for those numbers, those names, God, that just reminds me that each and every one is important. God, here today, I pray if there's one that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray today that they would recognize their importance to you. God, that you love them, that you sent your very son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in their place so that they can have eternal life. God, that one day they could enter that promised land. God, that they would not be separated from you for eternity. Lord, I pray today that you would press upon their hearts, God, the importance of their life to you. God, I praise you that uh, you've given us all gifts and talents to use to honor and glorify you. God, help us by the power of your spirit to use those, again, to build your kingdom, to do as you've called us to do. Lord, again, I thank you for these people and just their encouragement. As we heard there earlier, God, and those graduate, uh, just our families, our friends, those people that you placed around us. God, we are to work together to encourage and strengthen and build one another. So, God, I praise you for that in this church and those that are doing that. Help us, God, just again to continue to grow to do that, to encourage one another and build each other up. And again, to build your kingdom. Lord, I thank you that we can fight from this side of the cross. God, that you have accomplished, you have won the victory. As Brother Corey and him, they were singing earlier, God, we fight from victory. Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ. And all this and we ask in his name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.